And now, in preparation for next time's episode of Star Trek Into Darkness, we take a look back at how Star Trek used to be. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, this one's not got me in it. Um, hello, guys? Hello? You paid up? Welcome to Don't Jump the Shark Podcast. I'm Ross. And here's the clan to my Kirk, Grant. It's not clan, it's Khan! <laughs> yeah, if you, if you haven't guessed already, this, <laughs> this episode's film is uh, Star Trek. And in particular, Grant? Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. <laughs> yes, The Final Frontier. Here's what we do every episode. We pick a film that's good up until a point. And then goes too far. We'll talk you through the film and point out that jump the shark moment where we feel it goes off the deep end. Could be five minutes in, could be five minutes from the end. As always, we've locked ourselves inside a horrifyingly vomit-inducing hypnotic dance from an octogenarian. (laughs) (laughs) And studied the film separately so we have no way of knowing each other's chosen shark jumping moment. Okay, I've got an opening question for you, Ross. Okay, great. In this film... Uh, mm-hmm. Spock didn't want to hug Kirk in front of the Klingons. <laughs> what? How far sexually would you go in front of a Klingon? <laughs> I think when you're talking about Klingons, they're they're quite um, quite animalistic, aren't they? What's what's that big? Don't they have a big time of year like Pom Far, where they go crazy, and punch each other, and upset. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it's no holds barred. I'm pretty sure anything would go. What about you, Grant? <laughs> yeah, well, at least third base for me. <laughs> would you take it to deep space now? <laughs> okay, so who are the... Seven of nine sounds a bit like a sex person, <laughs> it? Resistance is futile. <laughs> okay, Grant, so who are the gods and octogenarians in this one? Well, director, did you hear about the woman who asked Leonard Nimoy for a golden shower? <laughs> William Shatner. <laughs> As you know, I'm a huge fan of William Shatner, so I won't be insulting him at all during this podcast. <laughs> so I won't be saying anything. <laughs> um, he's, other than directing this, he's directed two other Star Trek-based documentaries. One where he interviews all the five captains. Yeah, yeah. And one called Get a Life about the fans. Complimentary then. (laughs) Well, based on obviously the famous Saturday Night Live sketch where he said the same. Yeah, yeah. And he also directed Tech War. Woo! (laughs) I don't think I've even heard of Tech War. What's Tech War again? It's got Greg Evigan in it from Mighty Dads. Oh, right. Pretty good. It's a good. It's uh, William Shatner's own version of um, Star Trek with the hero Jake Cardigan. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It's it's really good. And he definitely wrote it too. <laughs> no doubt in my mind or anyone else's. He wrote it. Is the captain the hero in all of it, is he? <laughs> he? He's only got story credit on this. The only credited screenwriter is David Lowry. Oh, yeah. 
who wrote Money Train. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Three Musketeers version with Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen. <laughs> and Passenger 57. <laughs> this guy's amazing. <laughs> There's some, quite some credits there. <laughs> and here's your stars. William Shatner. Mm-hmm. Again. I love him from TJ Hooker. <laughs> and have you ever seen Invasion Iowa? Don't think I have, no. It was a reality show he did where he fooled a whole town into thinking he was filming a film there, but what he was actually doing was just taking the piss out of all of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite good, I watched it. <laughs> yeah, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. He's in French. Transformers yeah. the movies. Yeah, that's right. And uh, unfortunately, Transformers Dark to the Moon, too. <laughs> was he? Yeah, he was Sentinel Prime. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I thought you meant he turned up in human form. <laughs> Do you know what right the, the sweetest things about doing a film like Star Trek V is, you know, you get people with names like Walter, Leonard and George, <laughs> which you just don't get very much. But who's this for a name? DeForest. <laughs> DeForest Kelly. Who's, you know how sometimes you get an actor, or like a, a talented actor will kind of make a mistake for their last film. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, Five Goes West for James Stewart and yeah, similar. Like a misstep, sort of thing, yeah. DeForest Kelly's last film prior to his death was The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I can remember the original Brave Little Toaster, and it was just about a toaster kind of got lost at the side of the road, didn't they? Yeah. Well, Why would he be going really to Mars? <laughs> he's got really lost this time. Did they take him in a spaceship and leave him on a Mars, though? <laughs> I love him in Star Trek Six, which is my favourite of the Star Trek films, mm-hmm. DeForest Kelly. And if you've ever seen Night of the Lepus, no. <laughs> giant killer rabbits, he's good in that. <laughs> and why don't we talk about Nichelle Nichols? From This Bitter Earth, I've totally heard of that. <laughs> she was in Heroes. She yeah, was in Heroes, yeah. George Decay. And uh, Scooby-Doo, Curse of the Lake Monster. <laughs> it's very hard to... Pick out some highlights on the Shell Nichols TV page. Was she playing the lake monster? <laughs> Interesting fact, by the way. Um, once me and James, who was the guest in the last episode, had a bet that Nichelle Nichols had got naked, and we we're like, "No, no we're going to learn how to prove this." <laughs> and he won the bet, but really, we both lost <laughs> as no, human no, beings. There's no winners in that conversation. No. <laughs> right, Grant. Uh, the only person that wasn't there, uh, Scotty. James Doohan, I want you to do the plot summary as his famous Scotty character. Can do. Captain Kirk and his crew must deal with Mr. Spock's half-brother, who hijacks the Enterprise for an obsessive search for God, don't you know, have a nip wee laddie? <laughs> I've not had my porridge this morning. <laughs> so we'll get him in here. We are. So we boldly go <laughs> where film shouldn't have went. <laughs> It's no nah. Star Trek the motion picture. No, no. <laughs> there's things happen in this. <laughs> Although we do start in a desolate desert, don't we? Classic Star Trek. <laughs> like we we're talking about in Star Wars, a desert planet. <laughs> Just like that entirely moon based planet that's, that's solely made of snow. <laughs> and then we cut to a horse in slow motion. Classic Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see, the name of the planet is Nimbus 3. <laughs> At the time, and just a name. Now you just think Quidditch. <laughs> it's the planet of peace and Quidditch players. So <laughs> J.K. Rowling was influenced by Star Trek. <laughs> I like to think that. <laughs> Originally, when Harry talked in her head, it just had bizarre pauses halfway through sentences. 
Then it cuts to me. I don't remember being in this film. <laughs> Digging for some rocks. <laughs> no, shut up, Ross. I don't look like every bald man in the world. <laughs> but then I turn up on a horse. Because <laughs> I look like every bearded man in the world. <laughs> I've got to put up a picture of Cyborg and his bald friend to show how much they actually look like us. <laughs> yeah, because you're right, Cyborg shows up and he is no Sean Connor, is he? The original choice for this role. But who probably rather wisely decided to do Indiana Jones in the last Crusade instead. <laughs> that's, I, that's, that's a decision I'm sure he reflects back on and he's like, yeah, I'm glad I did that. He's a bit more Ian McDermott, I would say. Mm, yeah. Well, like in this scene is the fact that, you know, it's the international planet of peace, but he's got his, his gun there. But it's, it's like a rock gun. <laughs> it, has to, it has to pump it up, which just made me think, is that like a super soaker? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a very valuable gun on a desert planet. <laughs> gonna squirt him in the face and he's gonna be like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so Cyborg um, speaks to the bald man and says, you, you've got a lot of pain. I'm gonna help you get rid of that pain. And we actually see what he does later, but we'll get on to that. But mm. what he's actually just seemingly doing at this point is just saying to the guy, just, you know, take all that pain and push it all to a place deep inside you. You know, And if you ever feel like you're start to get in pain again you know just lock it down even just lock it down so much that you become a ticking time bomb and it's only a matter of time before you kill yourself and possibly a mall full of people some religious leader huh? actually no he is actually quite a good one now that I think of it he's basically founded Scientology I like the fact he seems like an outback therapist like Sigmund Bronson or... I think he seems more like a more like in a broke back mountain territory. <laughs> it's when he takes the guy, holds his head, by, holds his head, and he's like, the power is within you all the time. <laughs> well, you know, his super soaker gun wasn't really filled with water. I mean, that's at an expense. <laughs> he just went around collecting chips. <laughs> I see a George Takei joke in the near future. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> I like the fact that the next scene as well that comes up because it cuts to Yosemite Park or Yosemite Park oh, you've got it? to mention his bad guy laugh does he do a bad guy laugh? he does Do remember a bad guy laugh? when uh, he takes his hood off and the bald guy sees that he's a Vulcan he's like you're a Vulcan <laughs> he's like you think you can overact check this out <laughs> <laughs> why does an overactor need a starship <laughs> I hate that laugh. <laughs> Why is he even laughing? You're a Vulcan. <laughs> you noticed. <laughs> you zinged me, Mr. Baldy. So what? what is it the final frontier of, would you say? Is it the final frontier of taste or... Well, the film, the film <laughs> yeah. in general. What is? What does the final frontier refer to? I think when we're getting to Nichelle Nichols' fan dance later on, it's definitely, definitely dignity. <laughs> The final frontier of Walter Koenig being bothered to take part in these films. <laughs> He's got a wig and a half. I know people talk about Shatner, but jeez. That's <laughs> an obvious no here, that one, isn't it? I think really, though, like, uh, do you know that a lot of the people in Star Trek hated William Shatner? Yeah. yeah I'll yeah. probably get more into more of that later. Yeah. But um, I think it really must have stuck in his craw to give George Takei the and credit. And George Takei. Mm. <laughs> I bet that was not his decision. 
only, like, tell you what, I'll give him the end credit as long as I later can have a really embarrassing scene where he gets lost in the woods. It's <laughs> 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 just completely humiliating for him. <laughs> do, you think, do you think lost in the woods was like a, a metaphor? Was it anything with Tiki? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, as you say, Kirk's climbing a mountain. <laughs> Which, if you've never seen Shatner on the mountain, people should definitely go and look up on YouTube, shouldn't they? The great song. <laughs> This is um, one of the problems I, I have with this film, actually, is that Captain Kirk is not Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk is just William Shatner. Yeah, it's... Yeah. it's William, like, Captain Kirk now speaks and acts like William Shatner and has all the same hobbies and interests <laughs> as William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you like rock climbing? So do I now. <laughs> but I don't like climbing real rocks, Grant. I like climbing... Things that are quite obviously painted pieces of plasterboard that I will pretend as I say. <laughs> we'll save that for the obvious stunt devil. Who's <laughs> yeah. wearing yes. first? <laughs> it's the fact that like the rocks he's climbing are shiny. You're like, <laughs> I've never seen any of those shiny rocks before. <laughs> you know as well where the kind of camera starts like pulling really close in on him, and you see his sweaty face, and then you start to hear him go. <sighs> oh, this is climbing around. You didn't kind of get an insight of what it would be like to have Shag William Shatner. <laughs> to be in the show, Nichols. No. <laughs> rumours. Uh, inaccurate rumours. She was another one that hated him. I did kind of think, you know, when you're looking at and you're seeing Shatner's climbing trousers, like, mm. MC Hammer called and he wants his trousers back. <laughs> <laughs> We've got DeForest Kelly in to bring in the yucks, though. Yeah. 110% comedy sidekick. <laughs> if I'm not careful, I'll stop talking to myself. Oh, <laughs> I'm already doing it. And this is another problem I have with this film, to be honest. It's like, and I think you've got a William Shatner's ego trip here already, but everyone else is just a comedy sidekick to him as mm. the hero. <laughs> You know one of my pet hates in films? What's that? Futuristic binoculars. <laughs> They're always there. Those ones that can see people from miles away. Oh, yeah. But you know why I hate them? It's because when you're looking through binoculars, you can't hold them as steady as you can hold a camera. No, no. <laughs> you're not a tripod. So I really hate it when you have a camera-mounted tripod with some silly black tape around it pretending it's futuristic binoculars. <laughs> In fact, fuck it. This is my jump the shark moment right here. <laughs> fucking futuristic binoculars. I fucking hate them. There was always there was always rumours about him, though, wasn't there? That he was tripod. <laughs> More rumours I'm looking to start from this. So who pops up to see Shatner on the mound? <laughs> we have uh, Spock eventually appears, doesn't he? Spock. <laughs> my friend, Spock. Spock. He very rarely ever gets to the CK in that work, does he? <laughs> Spock. And why does he want to climb the mountain? Because he's in love. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you watch the same film as me? I thought you were making a reference to Shatter on the Mountain. Oh, why yeah. do I climb the mountain? Because I'm in love. <laughs> because it's there. So human. <laughs> Although, this is one thing I don't like in this film in particular, but also Star Trek in general, is like, the human beings are the best things the universe has ever seen. <laughs> and everyone should want to be human. And there's always a character in this. You've got Spock in the original series. You've got 
um, data wanting to be more human the next generation but even Q turning up in the next generation he's always going human race is so but then the human race always triumphs Odo Deep Space Nine nope. Seven and Nine Voyager why Why is this obsession with human beings are the centre of the universe they're amazing we should all want so to be more great. like human <laughs> human beings are the master race and they're here to take over the universe <laughs> It only takes two seconds to look at how much we fucked up our planet <laughs> to see that's probably not true. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should give the Vulcans a, char- a chance. <laughs> they do alright. <laughs> what do you think, like, Kirk falls, falls mm. to the earth in, in a, a motion which would totally break his neck? <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think of the special effects of this bit? They're like... Uh, 1970s Batman and Robin (laughs) the way he's falling it's as if he's walking down a set (laughs) I quite like the initial wide shot of the person falling which Mm. looks amazing I think that's a real person I think that's why isn't it not Shatner but it's a real person (laughs) hi Bones mind if we drop in for dinner classic (laughs) I love Lucy (laughs) like you wouldn't be absolutely crapping your pants when you're like I'm gonna die (laughs) Why did I think climbing a mountain was a good idea? <laughs> then we cut to the, the planet of galactic peace. Mm. Which uh, kind of reminds me of a place in Fife called Methyl. <laughs> <laughs> the one which um, Prince Philip, or Queen's consort, or whatever you call him, <laughs> so famously said was a dump. And he was right. <laughs> he was he was spawned. <laughs> Sorry, previous guest Slim, but it's just true. <laughs> the football team's so far down on the edge, it's almost in the ocean, though, so... Kind of gets away with it. But it's not called um, Methyl, though, is it? It's got a, another name. Another hilarious name. <laughs> Take me down to the paradise city where the women are cats and the cats have three breasts. <laughs> Oh, won't you please take me home? <laughs> oh, won't you please remind me of Total Recall? <laughs> there we are. So we're introduced to the another three of our main characters, the Klingon. What, her boobs? Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't gone for that I can see her pussy joke. Reminds <laughs> me the old line from the Batman TV series. My name is Pussycat, but you can call me Cat. <laughs> <laughs> So we're introduced to our three sort of characters. The the yeah. old Klingon, the the Romulan it's just there to fall in love with David Warner at the end. And David Warner, of course. <laughs> you might know David Warner from Star Trek Six, playing a completely different character. <laughs> really? Yeah, he plays uh, Chancellor Gorkon. The Klingon that gets assassinated. <laughs> Maybe that was, you know... A culmination of his romance with that Romulan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird because these characters don't really need to exist. I don't think. No, they're there to betray Kirk a little bit later, and by that point, their story's already over. Other than yeah. they fall in love uh, at the end. <laughs> tiny little bit of plot. It's not exactly senator exposition, is it? And then you get the alarm going off at this bit, and the alarm. Do you remember when we watched Star Wars Episode Three? I remember that pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember yep. that really really annoying creature that Obi-Wan Kenobi r- rode <laughs> <laughs> that's the noise of the alarm it's, it's exactly the same noise <laughs> because Cyborg now apparently has a whole army because this desert is just full of bald people hanging about with jizz guns <laughs> well there's a kind of 
slaves rising up to overthrow their masters thing well, going on here, isn't there? Oh, definitely, because Jerry Goldsmith, with his music score, is trying to convince us this is Lawrence of Arabia, isn't he? Mm, with, his, yeah. with his musical cues. <laughs> and I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he got it from that or the sand going about. You know? <laughs> Cut to comic relief character number three, which is Scotty. (laughs) He's in there in the ship having to fix things. Of course, because chief engineer, (laughs) he's doing all the manual labour. He seems to be dating a huru for some reason as well. It's never mentioned before or after this film. A little bit of romance going on there. He's fat as fuck though, isn't he? Yeah. But at least he didn't go for the corset. He's an accurate Scotsman, no other. There's been a few deep-fried Mars bars crossing his path. For American listeners, we have the poorest diet in Europe. <laughs> we are quickly catching up with America. Yeah. We're the heart disease capital of Europe, too. In fact, is that three o'clock, Grant? It's pie time. <laughs> Step the podcast, I've got a fish supper on the way. <laughs> For inner tea, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's what um, Uhura gives Scotty in that bag full of food? It's like a freeze-dried fish stuffer. Because <laughs> it's not fruit, is it? <laughs> from the size of his waistline, probably not. Or maybe that's like a hint. Maybe it's like, oh, look, I care for you. Here's some fruit. Here's some fruit. You'll be dead soon if you lose some weight. If you don't eat this fruit. <laughs> Do you think it'd be tempting, though, if you had, like... You know, they've got those automatic food-generating machines and Star Trek. Mm. We do not be just tempted just to get the most delicious foods all the time. <laughs> Surely in the future you could have delicious-tasting food with zero calories, though. Unless that's a beer belly. Because you see Maybe. them drinking alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another problem Scotland has. <laughs> He's definitely a Scotsman. <laughs> Comic relief characters four and five. Sulu and Chekhov. Yep. It's, uh, oop, we're lost in the woods. <laughs> it's, take that for insulting me over the years, you two. <laughs> A really embarrassing, unfunny scene. <laughs> Especially when Chekhov has to pretend to be the wind. <sighs> <laughs> oh, look, it's all cleared up. It's a miracle. I think that Russian accent was actually better than his Russian accent. That's, that's brilliant. <laughs> Is this, yeah, this is when we then go to the campsite as well, don't we? Um, yeah, and there's the, the Blazing Saddles scene. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some beans, why do they taste so good? Because they've got scotch in them. You ever tried that? No. No, no. Because no. <laughs> it's not a good idea. No. <laughs> you get any more of that secret ingredient? <laughs> yep, I sure do. Zip. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me get my jizz gone out. <laughs> Is that what they call it in the future? <laughs> That's what I call it now. <laughs> Do you think McCoy is just a racist, though? He really is. <laughs> I mean, he's just... He's so harsh on Spock. Yeah, he's like, get away from me, you Vulcan cunt. <laughs> <laughs> you would have thought with the whole mind swap thing where he had his brain inside him and stuff, you would have thought, oh, maybe, you know, maybe he's got a bit more consideration for what he's got to go through. He's just like, catch up! Catch up with the life you should have had. You only think that because you've got green blood and you, you take our social security checks and. <laughs> Coming over here, switching our Lahuras. <laughs> he is a complete racist. Which, when they go to the planet with the slaves on it, 
going to make me not them not want to win. <laughs> he also he also says something really weird to Kirk, where he he talks about his macho mind. <laughs> <laughs> McCoy. I don't remember that part. <laughs> he says, you and your macho mind. But he's talking about how he'd fallen. And, and then that's when Kirk reveals he's always known he'd die alone. <laughs> except, except for the fact that Picard's there. <laughs> and then... Why, why does he know that? Like, it's just thrown out there, like... Well, I, 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 fair enough, if we'd seen in, like, an earlier film, you know, he discovered his fate. Mm-hmm. But... He hasn't. No, it's just, just a gut feeling he's got. One which <laughs> a large gut feeling <laughs> would only really pay off if he did die on his own at the end of this film. Yeah, hmm. if this was setting up him dying, which he could have actually done it that way. Yeah, but his death was the impetus for everyone to start returning to normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and their brainwashing or whatever the fuck it is that happens to them. <laughs> Psychoanalyzed, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Did, did, did someone order a, a, a close-up shot of Leonard Nimoy's groin? <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm sure there's a marshmallow in the, in the, in the foreshot, but this... A marshmallow? That's what they say. Do they? Yeah, they say marshmallow. <laughs> it's a joke, Ross. It's a hilarious joke come up with by William Shatner. Spock calls it a marshmallow, and then for the rest of the film, everyone else calls it, it a marshmallow. marshmallow. Hilarious. Yes, it is. I'm sure they agree. <laughs> I want to know what that thing is, is that, that he gets another word for penis, though. There, you've got jizz gun and marshmallow. <laughs> well, Zing. I can't work out what this note is that I've got that says just strange headcock Spock. <laughs> <laughs> and I wondered if that was what you were talking about there. Possibly is, because like the thing that really stuck out to me to this shot, apart from his marshmallow, <laughs> is the fact that the reason you've got this close up is so you can see him with his automatic marshmallow toasting machine yeah. <laughs> which doesn't come into the shot for quite a wee bit after you've stared at his groin for a little bit <laughs> and you're like whoa Shatner <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying here <laughs> this is getting a bit too broke back about me they're going to be doing a mind meld <laughs> this is slowly becoming broke back mountain goes to space isn't it <laughs> Shatner's drunk acting's pretty good though, didn't you think? Do you not know row 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 your body bolt? Pretty sweet. But then we also have uh, just them being really nasty to Spock again. Oh what does he say? I I can't even remember. I just remember it being really nasty and being like, Oh catch up with the song, god damn it. Oh yeah, because he doesn't join in for his part of the record. Yeah, he doesn't know where to come in. Because he's too busy trying to analyse the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty funny actually, but not in an intentional way. <laughs> so nasty. DeForest Kelly cannot sing though, can he? <laughs> no. But he can be racist because he calls him a green blooded Vulcan again. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so, you so green blooded Vulcan fuck. <laughs> I mean, he's the like... Federation was fine till your lot came along. <laughs> I mean, a couple more cans of beans in and he'll be, he'll be <laughs> wanting to fight him. <laughs> You know how these Vulcans are. Telling them to go back to Vulcan. <laughs> and just when you think it couldn't get any worse, we have a round of Walton-esque goodbye. Good night, Spock. <laughs> Good night, John Boy. <laughs> so we have some exposition with the Klingons now, don't we? Oh, yeah. Blah, blah, Klingons, blah, blah. 
Remember when you used to look like a Klingon Ross? <laughs> <laughs> that was before I had my head vagina removed. <laughs> <laughs> because the Klingons come along to show how much they hate Earth, they blow up like a, a Sky Sports satellite. <laughs> <laughs> At which point you cut to a, a bar in Glasgow where someone's trying to watch an old firm game. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> for an up going, I had that Sultana Sports. <laughs> I can't get a signal. I don't know why the casual racism of this film made me think of the old firm and their bigoted <laughs> ways, but... Can't even think why at all. <laughs> so yeah, they, they have to get back up to the ship, don't they? Because it turns out the alarm was real. There is something that they want them to go and do. Oh, you thought it was a fake alarm. <laughs> get this, Ross. It was a real alarm. No way! No way! <laughs> a real brilliant. alarm? It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> You know what other bit I find really funny is when the t- computer turns into Mark's headroom. <laughs> Which la 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 level. <laughs> Preceding Mark's headroom <laughs> by what ten years here? No, not even that, eh? No, this eight, is eighty nine. Oh no, so it's right about the right time. Yeah, the, the next generation was already being filmed at this time. Because this ship is the next generation set. Nah, right enough, it's not far off yet. You can really tell at some bits as well. Was it really? Because you think the next generation is much bigger. Maybe they've just got better directors, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> know how to use the camera properly. <laughs> Cinemascope cameras. <laughs> the first, uh, although in the lifts here, where you get the la 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 level <laughs> uh, joke, I also, but it's the first time I've liked a joke. Yeah? Which is where yeah, Shatner says I could really do with a shower, and Spock just turned around and goes, Yes. <laughs> Do you think, though, you know, this ship is kind of falling to parts and it's just out of space dock? Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's still going through its shakedown. Yeah. Do you think this ship was made by Toyota in the future? <laughs> <laughs> it's been outsourced by Starfleet to Toyota. <laughs> Do you think the accelerator's going to get stuck to the floor? <laughs> that was how they ended up going through the Great Barrier. <laughs> stuck on warp six. <laughs> Turns out it was just a defective bit of carpet that was Because <laughs> there's really no excuse for the, the shit being this broken, I don't think. <laughs> no, because it's just when they come up on it in what, the last film, and they're like, oh, it's the new one. And it's like pretty much all done. Yeah. And then on board, like the chief engineer of the staff is having to fix it rather than the people who built it. <laughs> when Shatner's doing some exposition with the Admiral, he's. he's you see the t-shirt he's wearing. Okay. What is it? Got, got, got to climb or something? Go climb a rock. Go climb a rock. And another one from Shatner's private collection, I think. Yeah. <laughs> or one which he wished to sell as part of his private collection. <laughs> and another thing I noticed at this bit, which I couldn't believe I hadn't noticed till now, is how kicky is McCoy's scarf? His little neckerchief that he's wearing. <laughs> he's writing his neckerchiefs. <laughs> Do you think it was maybe to kind of... Sh- it's a darling of a scarf. Yeah. <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> do you think it was a fashion choice or do you think it was to kind of try and hide his age? Well, hide the wrinkles. Yeah. Know? Possibly. Well, that's what they say, isn't it? The hands and the neck are two really hard areas to, like, stop showing aging. Because later on in the scene where his dad, I mean, you see his hands and he's... Like, those people are, are the same age. <laughs> he's more leathery than Uhura's vagina in the dance scene. <laughs> 
No, that's more cobwebby. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up. Is that because of the grey pubes? I miss my old chair. It's a pretty solid joke as well, though. The what? I miss my old chair. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. You want to kindle that nostalgia whilst bringing on a new story. Well, speaking of nostalgia, he tries to do a captain's log and he's got a thing for doing it. Yeah. And the button breaks so he can't do his captain's log. You're like, great, they're going to have to actually be forced to tell us the story in an imaginative way <laughs> instead than... of just giving us exposition. <laughs> no, but <really>. no. <laughs> they just watch some exposition on the screen instead. <laughs> Like, here's your exposition. <laughs> there is a planet, blah, 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 blah. And something else that which would spare a lot of time. See if Spock had just said who Sp- Cybok was at this moment. That would sp- spare yeah. them a lot of anguish later Cause, on. Yeah, because he kind of makes mention that he knows who it is that's taking this planet hostage. And Well, the line's not that well crafted, Ross. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you look like you've seen a ghost. Perhaps I have. <laughs> I suppose. Well, no, you haven't. Stop being so <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I was having that conversation with someone I work with, mm. I would be asking a follow-up question. <laughs> Perhaps I have. Okay, great, Spock. Catch up with you on that later. <laughs> you want to explain that one, maybe? <laughs> maybe it's just that weird person at work that nobody really talks to. You know, they're just like, I, I don't know what he's on about. It's one of ghosts. <laughs> Green blooded weirdo. <laughs> Why does a starship need a wheel? <sighs> that far in the future and we're still working on steering wheels. <laughs> so, uh, good cyborg is emotional, we're not emotional, blah de blah blah Basically, planet held hostage by cyborg. Planet held hostage. <laughs> well, specifically... Not just ambassadors. <laughs> specifically, one part of the... The planet is being held hostage. What part? Paradise City. <laughs> <laughs> is that like an ironic statement when they called it that? <laughs> like, why would you call it the planet of peace anyway if think, it was just a dust bowl? I think they were, you know, they had the committee there overlooking the city and they were like, well, what do we know about the city? Like, so, city, we're here for galactic peace, we're here for everyone to get along. Mm. Yeah, but we've kind of called that this is the planet of galactic peace. We've kind of used that already, so we need to think of something else. Well, my my next two favourite things about this play are one is that the grass is green and the other is the girls are pretty. <laughs> so we can call it the paradise city. What even any grass there? <laughs> and the girls are cats. <laughs> yeah, so you get a quick shot of them doing their lock and load scene. Yeah. Slightly made a bit silly by their chunky jumpers. <laughs> it's like it's, it is like old folk. It's like going, going outside. We better put a big thick jumper on. <laughs> you won't feel the benefit. <laughs> so this is where Chekhov says violate. <laughs> He's doing some sexy talk. I will violate you hard. <laughs> This is obviously meant to be like a kind of pick up back on the n- nuclear vessels line, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's funny though. No. It? <laughs> <laughs> it's returning back to the well to find the well's empty. <laughs> and here's another odd decision as well. Mm. Okay, right, we need to create distraction, alright? Shall we throw some rocks? Shall we fire some phasers? Tell you what, you know the female crew member who's come down for some reason, even though she's in charge of communication? <laughs> 
get our strip right down, cover ourselves with some leaves, and trail our octogenarian breasts on the ground in front of them. <laughs> she's, it's how much they try to convince us that she's young and attractive with the close-up ankle shots, which are just some ridiculously defined calves. It's, it's. I don't even. I don't think it's sexy in the slightest. Though I think it's more like she's like, oh, I'm burning my feet on this stand. <laughs> it's, it's hardly like slow sensual. It's more like. Some kind of rain dance she's doing. I've never been happier to not be watching a film in HD though. No. <laughs> we had the we had the reoccurrence of the um, camera binoculars there though as well. Yeah, you do, yeah. And they were looking out at the, the distance. Before they when they decide to steal the space horses. That'll take us that'll take us however long to get there by foot speed. What other kind of speed were they going to use? Well, they use horse speed. Space horse. Because they've got horns, so they must be space horses. And, and what is it horses run on? <laughs> so, so it's still going to be foot speed then? <laughs> well, it's not the same rate. No, really. no. Precisely. So why would you use foot speed as a unit of measurement? That's a good point. <laughs> foot speed. <laughs> You're just walking. <laughs> Yeah, so Sulu gets us in. Sulu, shoot that guy. <laughs> End of scene. <laughs> if I wasn't shattered to roll that bit. <laughs> you get some smashing, quirky and open palm fighting as well. Very original series. <laughs> well, we've got to remember, these stone guns they've got, you know, they're firing them and people are like, whoa, look out for the stones. But then they also have a stone bazooka. <laughs> Which is getting kind of Peter Pan style now. <laughs> the Federation effects for their phasers are pretty good though. We yeah. see that travel through the person as it stuns them. I wonder if that was them working up effects for the next generation though. Mm, probably, you know? yeah. And they also have a stone Gatling gun that appears as well. <laughs> you know how I said Shatner definitely didn't write the bit where Sulu gets a scene? Mm. He definitely did write the bit where the three-breasted woman wrestles them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that three-breasted woman we had a lingering shot of earlier on. I want to fight her. <laughs> She'll be rubbing her cat breasts all over me. <laughs> uh, so they get captured. What a twist that is, unless you already know that Cybot can brainwash people, which you do. <laughs> <laughs> Are they going to manage to get away with it? Probably not then. <laughs> But he intends to steal something big. Shatner's ego. <laughs> <laughs> there is a scene later on where Shatner's kind of like, get your hands off my ego. <laughs> <laughs> Only me and my ego can fight the bad guys. <laughs> I need my ego. It feeds me. <laughs> It'd be like the end of Little Shop of Horrors, wouldn't it? <laughs> His ego was actually in it. Do you like the shuttlecraft scene? What? The, the part when it crashes down? <laughs> Emergency plan B. <laughs> B as in barricade. <laughs> I love this scene. It's my favourite scene in the whole film. So bizarre. <laughs> so bizarre that Cyber wouldn't be like, hmm, I suspect something's happening here. <laughs> you paused and put such emphasis on the letter B. And then said barricade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, talking to Cyber, he's hardly like the evil twin, is he? No. No. <laughs> he's just like, all he's right. The, I, he's the jolly, happy, laughing twin. I kind of see his point, to be honest, about all these things. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I go that far. 
He is brainwashing people to his cause. Yeah, but he's not hurting anybody. <laughs> There's a great dig at George Takei in this scene as well, where um, you know they crash the shuttlecraft, mm. and uh, they say, um, um, "Have you ever done this before?" He's like, "Actually, it's my first time." <laughs> and Shatner says to him, "He's good." Really? <laughs> so that's a dig. Remember who's the hero here, eh? Just remember who's directing this film, Takei. Stop trying to do scene stealing with your dry wit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I find really funny in this next scene when they're crashing? Uh-huh. Is how the shuttlecraft bay uh-huh. has like space nets to catch the shuttlecrafts. <laughs> Like a fishing net. <laughs> that's, that's technology from like nineteen nineties aircraft carriers, <laughs> not from the twenty fourth century. Talking in the twenty fourth century, this is where we have the the slow fight scene with the Klingons, isn't it? Where well, they go to warp to escape the falling torpedo. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, but before that, they just kind of gently outmaneuver it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And we've seen in the 24th century they, they, they lost the ability to have tracking missiles. <laughs> There's a cracker one in Star Trek 6, isn't there? Mm. <laughs> to be honored. To be. <laughs> but he also uses the word bear down. <laughs> the Klingon goes, bear down upon them. <laughs> this is much more broke back mountain than I ever thought. <laughs> Do you think, you know this um, jacket that Shatner wears in his film? He's like Starfleet jacket. That would be the bit at the end, wouldn't it? It would be Spock, like, smelling that jacket. (laughs) (laughs) You really have to have seen the film Brobat Mountain to get some of these jokes. (laughs) It's got two naked ladies in it. That's... So even the homophobes can enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Those two scenes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do like a cyborg Kirk fight. The the WWE style throwing <laughs> each other into shuttlecrafts. <laughs> they do everything but hit each other in the head with a chair. <laughs> Spock could just end it all because he's got a gun. <clears throat> yeah. Trained on cyborg. Shoot Come on, Spock, shoot, shoot. Or alternatively, set your face at a stun. Remember that thing that you keep going on about? <laughs> How this, the future's more advanced and stuff. <laughs> Spock refuses to join and wants to join Kirk. Yeah. And that's kind of the main crux of this film and how this film was changed from Shatner's original vision. Of was it? Everyone being against Kirk. Oh. And turning on him. And it kind of ties into the he would always die alone because he would be all alone at the end. And yeah. Be a bit more dramatic tension. Yeah. But... Nimoy Kelly refused to turn against him and wanted to be on his side which kind of takes the theme of the film and removes it (laughs) yeah because the kind of friendship element of it that is then run through it isn't quite as strong is it Mm -hmm. because that's the whole like no no we'll always be your friends so you're never going to die alone type thing but she doesn't Cards <laughs> there. <laughs> I'm Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> Neither is friends. <laughs> you know how you were saying there's some bits in this that kind of remind you a bit of Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> how about McCoy's line, you want me to hold him down, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a button in the, the brig here which does something particular, doesn't it? 
<laughs> you mean the, the the removable toilet body? <laughs> Retractable toilet, sorry. Yeah, because it's a it's a seat which looks very much like a toilet. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a toilet. <laughs> I, I don't see the point in this. I mean, why why would you have a seat that comes out the wall, which is that you can then put back in? It's just like a space saving measure. Because <laughs> there's like pretty roomy. There's plenty of room. Let's be honest. Do you yeah, think? Do you think in the future they don't do poops? <laughs> they have a little teleporter on their colon, and it just <laughs> takes the poop away. You're forcing me to joke, make a joke <laughs> using the words "captain's logger." <laughs> That's why you couldn't make one earlier. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't have his retractable toilet. <laughs> yeah, so Sulu and Uhura have both been brainwashed by this point. Yeah, because they're easy pushovers. <laughs> Well, who did they go to next? They go to Chekhov. Just stick a worm in his ear and he's done. <laughs> if there's anything that has taught us, <laughs> earworms. It was God. <laughs> Terrible, terrible manners. That's how in Star Trek Six actually. I'm jumping. From. <laughs> You're muddling up the Star Treks here. <laughs> so, to summarise the film so far, a religious nuts gets brainwashes converts. And takes them on an unwise mission where they follow in blindly. <laughs> Did Richard Dawkins do a pass on the script? <laughs> and where does he want to take them to, Grant? The centre of the universe. In particular, the planet... Shakari. I think you'll find it's pronounced Shakira, and she's in Colombia. <laughs> I think you'll find it's pronounced Sean Connery, because that's why they named it that. Was it? Because they wanted Sean Connery for this film. <laughs> and that was going to be an end joke. And they yeah. didn't think to change it. They <laughs> didn't think to change the end joke, which doesn't work because the guy's not in the no. film. <laughs> he manages to convince the whole ship at once, though. His brainwashing powers are pretty good in this. Yeah. Do you think he just makes an announcement over the tannoy and they'll just kind of go, all right, okay. <laughs> We're going to Shakari. We're going to Shatnari. <laughs> Shatnarigo. <laughs> The centre of the universe. <laughs> Where God lives. <laughs> the jailbreak. Yeah. Scotty come to the rescue with his chip. <laughs> Tonight there's going to be a jailbreak. <laughs> Some of us won't be Scottish. <laughs> Do you not know a jailbreak when you see one have some whiskey, lad? <laughs> just always drinking that's why it's a good character it's accurate he's <laughs> hammered 24-7 yet he's still the best goddamn engineer in there whiskey in one hand and a pioneer <laughs> and a wrench in the third wait wait Scotty would so go to space Greg's instead of using the replicator space Greg's space Greg's Greg's is going to be around in the 24th century <laughs> <laughs> do you know this I know the ship like the back of my hand bang Dong. scene yeah. James Doohan totally hated this scene did he he's so humiliated by it he says it's just a cheap laugh and you're doing it not for the sake of character you're doing it just for a cheap laugh mm-hmm. I read it in James Doohan's book where he said basically the, the lot of them spent the whole film laughing behind Shatner's back that's <laughs> a bit cruel yeah. <laughs> I, I like to think it's just a joke about how fat he is, though. <laughs> Too busy thinking about food and just walks into the wall. I'm just like, now, how many sausage rolls do I want? 
<laughs> no, ten's not really enough. Not really going to cut it for me. It says a lot about the relationship, though, that Shatner would just pull this cheap joke out to humiliate him and not care that he doesn't like it. Yeah, yeah. Like, if it was to humiliate him, fair enough, but it's only ever going to be him that's really going to know that. Like, to us, he's just a tertiary character. Yeah, he's yeah. been in that for a long time, but I, I you can make those jokes with those characters. I think that's what James Doohan and Walter Koenig and George Takei and all that kind of forget is, if you watch the original series, they are side characters. Yeah. They're not, like, nobody's watching it and thinking, fucking, when's Sula going to be in it again? <laughs> what is Scotty up to? Does he have enough power yet? <laughs> is Uhura ever going to fan dance? <laughs> Doing better when she was that age. <laughs> What is Spock looking at in that microscope? <laughs> and we got the elevator ascent yeah. next. Well, <laughs> I like uh, <laughs> Well, you know what I find funny, though? Is, you know when they run past Scotty? Remember the really weak, four-foot-tall bald guy from earlier? Mm-hmm. Take Scotty a sick bait. What, by himself? <laughs> <laughs> he easily weighs 30 stone. <laughs> Just throw him over your shoulder. <laughs> And then you're right there. The elevator scene. So Spock's got his magic boots on. <laughs> he's uh, his booster feet. Yeah. But Which they just fire off smoke and not like fire or anything. It's weird. It's almost like he's strapped the uh, fire extinguishers to his feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Uh, did you not think when they were doing it, you were like really? Really, they need a Stena stair lift. <laughs> it's funny though that he gets Kirk and McCoy on it. There's some weight behind it. It's lucky Scotty wasn't there as well, <laughs> hanging on to the bottom. It would have been a quick plummet to hell. Because, <laughs> uh, well, they are. Do they have to sit put on the booster packs, which apparently exist? The booster rockets, yeah. yeah. You, at the bottom of the left shaft, you've got George Takei mm-hmm. getting a white substance. <laughs> Fired into his face. Do you think that's the first time that's happened to us? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> he was just enjoying the view, let's be honest. <laughs> Old man batch. <laughs> How does. You know Cyborg's power to brainwash? Mm-hmm. Where did he get that from? Well, Spock kind of makes some weak thing about he had the. Uh, he was just really smart. But he, he went to, like, the side of feelings more than the side of logic. Well, that's just being... Well, humans embrace feelings, so... But I wondered if it was meant to do the, like, you know how we put the hands on the guy's heads? Yeah. And then that changed them. I wondered if it was meant to be, like, the mind meld thing, where he could convince them to do what he wanted. But he doesn't like... do that to DeForest Kelly as much. No, he doesn't do that to anybody else other than the film, so that's why I was kind of confused. I thought yeah. it ends up like a kind of force convincing thing in like Star Wars this is this is my point really is I'm confused (laughs) because there is no explanation (laughs) this is not the cause you are looking for (laughs) (laughs) yeah DeForest Kelly I quite like him in this scene with with him and his dad oh yeah so so they get up and they send out a distress call don't they and for the first time other characters can see what they're seeing as well yeah very confusing kind of get like a dream state where they relive an emotional period of their life and then but conquer everyone else it. can see it that's the thing I mean and weird. walk into it as well it's like he's got a holodeck <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah we have the Forrest Kelly don't we? Yeah. and he's kind of living over the fact that he he assisted suicide at his dad 
a week before they got the, the cure, cure to that disease. <laughs> and isn't that ironic? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you kind of have to wonder, eh, with the age difference between the two of them, like, was was Bones' dad, like, three when he had them? Because <laughs> they're peers, they're the same age. <laughs> Spock's pain is him, his mum... No yeah giving birth to him and then his dad saying so human <laughs> oh my god it's like human all over <laughs> did you sleep with a human <laughs> Sarek your human wife is right there <laughs> remember that woman you loved and impregnated <laughs> <laughs> I love it though Kirk just refuses to be brainwashed I'm too awesome to be brainwashed. <laughs> I do I do like Spock's kind of rebuff where he's like, no, like, I, I've i been down this path. I'm completely with who I am and happy with it. That's good. That's he a little bit of him. until after Kirk makes the initial step of, we can fight this, guys. <laughs> Use my strength. <laughs> I, uh, that's just terrible when he's like, no, 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 I'm fine. Thanks. I like my pain and slash ego. <laughs> That would have had more impact if Kirk had gone through some unspeakable pain at the start of this film. Like having to listen to DeForest Kelly sing. <laughs> no, but I mean like if his character had suffered death in some way, if that had been you know, a time where he'd lost someone really close to him. And that's why he's like, I've you know, I've just been through pain, you can't do anything worse to me than what I've just been through. Kinda of like what happens with Picard in generations, as, mm. as trite as that is. Yeah. I mean, you, you get what he's on about when he's like, I need my pain, it's what helps me, like, informs my decisions of things and that. But he doesn't, like, maybe if he went through something, like, you saw him go through something, mm-hmm. but then at the end of it, he still came out resolute. Yeah. As opposed to the other people who went through the pain and kind of thought, I'd rather not have this. Do you mean uh, some character development? <laughs> <laughs> Now that's an idea. <laughs> I'm not going to show on my note for this next bit's all about. God waits for us. You are mad. No, he is. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm talking about. I'm assuming that's when they talk about they're talking about Shakari and they're like, God waits for us there. Yeah. But then, oh, no idea. <laughs> You're mad. Oh, that's what he obviously, obviously says. Yeah. You're mad. So they get to the Great Barrier. Luckily, they weren't that far away. <laughs> it's only it's only three streets over. <laughs> and can I just say, the Great Barrier looks delicious. <laughs> it's like Angel Delight. <laughs> Some mixed up peppy soup. <laughs> the, the, the next scene for the next few minutes is just people looking at the Great Barrier. <laughs> and there's something very Star Trek the motion picture about this. It's a bit... Ross, what? can you smell that? It smells like the motion picture. <laughs> Oh, did somebody leave a motion picture in here? Stale. <laughs> that would be the stench of the motion picture, would be stale. It smells like stagnant water. <laughs> Do you remember when uh, Samara got kicked down the well in the ring? <laughs> She's like, someone be watching the motion picture down here. The, the Great Barrier effects, though, we talk about it, like, they aren't that bad. They're not, yeah. like really rubbish <laughs> like some of the some of the stuff that will follow later 
this is when we were talking about the pace of this film earlier and this is where the pace just drops oh, so slow and drops to motion picture-esque line but it's, it, and it's almost as if they do it to try and emphasise the, the the sheer scale of what they're dealing with here it's God oh my God it's God and so Cybok Kirk McCoy and Spock go down to the plant together because obviously you need your <laughs> chief medical officer and science officer <laughs> why would and you say captain <laughs> why would you say the captain in the first place <laughs> but you could never stop that really could you <laughs> I'm fucking going <laughs> that doesn't seem like the wisest decision so <laughs> no I'm going do you notice something that's changed in one of the four elements this bit though mm-hmm. Cyborg's had a haircut <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right again. Yeah. His hair's a lot shorter. A shorter, yeah. From the hairdresser of Galactic Peace. <laughs> <laughs> They're clearly just visiting an American desert, though, aren't they? <laughs> it's it's the not che- more impressive <laughs> than an American desert. It's the cheapest of sets, Grant, let's be honest. <laughs> so they land on another desert planet, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> kind of looks the same as the one from earlier. Mm, almost exactly the same, so amazing. <laughs> Although this one's got rocks that can move themselves. <sighs> that make it turn into night for some reason. Yeah. Because the rocks come up out of the ground and then it's night time. It's, it's almost like a hand they're grasped in, eh? Yeah. Which I read someplace that Shatner wanted to have rock monsters. Yeah, he did. As as part of the people on this planet. Well, they would. Ch- that's who Shatner would be fighting at the end, as Kirk. Rock monster. Five of them, I think. Rock lobster. So Santa Claus appears. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. What would you Starfleet captains like for, for Christmas, Christmas this year? <laughs> <laughs> and Cyborg with your no so bright. <laughs> <laughs> Won't you gave my starship tonight? <laughs> but what does God need with a starship? Aye, that's right, Jim. Just. Just question God. <laughs> Just get right in there, Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Macaulay does say that to him. <laughs> Stop it, Jim. It's God, you know. <laughs> At which point Spock leans over and goes, It's Santa. <laughs> Isn't that Santa? <laughs> Was it just you that thought that, me that thought this, or did you think this as well? What was it? When God hits him with the lightning, did you think, UNLIMITED POWER! <laughs> I knew straight away he was the bad guy. <laughs> I see him as the emperor. <laughs> it's really not hard here to see that it was written by Kirk, was it? The story. He's just like, questioning God, able to take lightning strikes in his stride. <laughs> Fighting God. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't a fist fight it ended in. I think that was actually his original idea, was it would have been God and he would have fought him. Fist fighting sure. God. <laughs> there really is no limits to his imagination, is he? And then the weird bit where it's like, what do you really look like? And it's Cybok? Yeah. I just don't get this. What point are they making? I don't know. Is that like when they ask somebody like in a film, who's the face of real evil? But it's their faces. When he goes, ah, that Cyborg says, what have I done? It's like, now he's Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> this really is Star Wars. <laughs> George Lucas and J.K. Rowling watched this together. <laughs> Mummy, what am I getting from Christmas from Santa this year? Nothing, because Chekhov fired a photo torpedo at him. <laughs> well, 
long ago there used to be this person called Santa until Chekhov decided <laughs> to fuck him over. Because then uh, they they go to escape while Cybok fights God to let them have the time to escape. Tussles with God. <laughs> By letting God see how much pain he's in or whatever the fuck it is that happens uh, in this scene. Yeah, because then it would it would have helped be explained if he had taken on all the pain from everybody he'd seen and then that's why he was able to do that. We have lots of kind of rocks falling in and people getting beamed up, don't we? <laughs> and talk about things happening for plot contrivance. On the climber ship, they're like, set photo on torpedoes to transport room B on Enterprise. Because <laughs> 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 as soon as Kirk and, not Kirk, uh, Spock and McCoy get beamed up, transport room gets hit by a torpedo. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we can't get him now. But yeah, because then... Kirk has to stay behind. And this is coming back to the whole, oh, he's going to die alone thing, which the suspense is kind of gone from because you've now got two ships turned up. <laughs> like I'm sure one of them will probably save him, even if it's for a prisoner. But then, yeah, because Spock wants to cling on to tell his son off, basically. Yeah. Sir, you will try. <laughs> for the sake of one man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the whole, the, the bit where he's like, I don't think I'll be able to do that. And he goes, damn you, sir, I will try. Mm-hmm. You will try you kind of think there's not much chance it. Mm-hmm. Then by the time he appears on the other ship, it, it was blatantly obvious he was always going to be able to do it. The Klingons kill Santa, though, from their ship. Klingon bastards. <laughs> that explains all the racism in the next one. <laughs> it was a tough winter. Because <laughs> then he, he, he gets beamed up to the Klingon ship, doesn't he? And speaking of Star Wars Episode Three, yeah, an- another parallel is he's doing the hero pose when he gets beamed up. <laughs> hands on hips legs yeah. are flattened <laughs> but his hero pose is ten times better because his legs are ten times further apart <laughs> yeah and then the Klingon says sorry to him I'm very sorry I'm awfully sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm bad <laughs> now go to your room <laughs> he knew he wasn't going to die because he was never alone because Santa was there <laughs> with him <laughs> yes so yeah, that's the wrap of the film. Is well, he wasn't alone. Well, there's the bit where he goes, "Who who ordered you to beam me up?" Oh, and then course, the yeah. the chair turns round and it's, or no, is it not? Who who He's did the, the shooting? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. He's not the weapons guy. That's uh, Sulu or Thingy Chekhov. Chekhov, in fact. And then Kirk and Spock hug and. Uh, Spock says the immortal line I just can't quit you <laughs> and by saying that he learned to sing row 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 your boat <laughs> yeah well things to call back to eh? that's, that's, that's the moral isn't it <laughs> because he, God is in our heart which Spock doesn't even object to when he says that <laughs> yeah Spock isn't like no <laughs> um, so yeah that's pretty, That's pretty much, much it, yeah. Pretty much it. Sing some more... Level. So it's like a rap song. <laughs> and the moral of the story is... Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the moral of the story is... Spock learned to sing... <laughs> the moral of the story is... William Shatner is awesome. <laughs> and by... Effect Kirk is also awesome. <laughs> he plays him. Because <laughs> one is the other. Our music is Mr. Beeps, Thousand Furious Bees. Check him out on MySpace. Just search for M I S T E R B E E P.
Okay, Grant. What was your jump the shark moment? I talked earlier how the main theme was kind of taken away by Nimoy and Kelly having saying, well, you're not the only one with an ego around here, pal. <laughs> <laughs> we would quite like egos too. And uh, basically taking away the crux of the film, mm-hmm. leaving only row, row, row your boat <laughs> as of something which ties it all together. <laughs> so my jump the shark moment is when they're at the Great Barrier mm-hmm. and Kirk calls back to row, row your boat. Do you remember that? Kind of. He says... You come in on the third verse. <laughs> Maybe life is a dream. Uh, during that scene and yeah. I was like that's why is that familiar because it's from row, row, row your boat yeah <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even get that so using row 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 your boat as the film's dramatic impulse <laughs> is my jump the shark moment <laughs> not better than that Ross <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my last line of my notes though so Spock learned to sing row 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 your boat that's the motto <laughs> what's your jump Shump, shump sh- jerking moment. <laughs> Your shark jerking moment. <laughs> my uh, broke back moment. Is <laughs> my my shark jumping moment is when when for no particular reason at the time, Kirk questions God, <laughs> or at least what they believe at the time is God. And why does God want a starship, though, Ross? Well. Like, it's quite right to ask that. No, because all he's working on is the understanding of what he's decided God is. <laughs> like, maybe God isn't omnipotent, and maybe he isn't always present, so maybe does, he does, does need a ship. Does he have an army of elves helping him? <laughs> you Make <know>? the presents? <laughs> maybe Norad could track him at Christmas. <laughs> like, he's so caught up in his own ego and his own idea about what God is, and... Like, metallurgically, and the film, you know, his, his own ego around this character's so great that he'd even question God. That kind of kills it for me. Like, fair enough, have your hero, fair enough, have him be righteous and have, have him be the best of anybody around. But when you have him not even maybe think maybe my understanding of God isn't real, then that's not really a hero to me. As somebody who's just like, ah, yeah, science, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we won't go through a process of working out what's going on here. We'll just question it straight from the start. It's a scientific method to question. Yeah. He's an explorer, scientist. But he's not also working out kind of a theory behind as well. Like, oh, maybe this he's is why that. Yeah, he's just, <laughs> he more just wants to insult God. More than <laughs> yeah. It's more just like going, why? 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 <laughs> it's not really Because I say it like <laughs> It's not really a scientific method. <laughs> Do you not think, though, that the guy pretending to be God, yeah. whatever he is, do you not think he could just hold on for another few minutes and be like, okay, I'll just pretend a little bit more? Yeah. <laughs> Wait till I'm on the starship, then I'll, the lightning bolts can start. <laughs> <laughs> a character that's managed to survive all this time by himself <laughs> feeding off of God knows what energy I'm sure he would have managed <laughs> he's so good to have catalogued every God looking figure or face in history but he still doesn't have the nonce to like pull off a bit of <laughs> a Quincy-esque bumbling about it <laughs> definitely my jump the shark moment so that's us it is 
that's the end of our uh, runoff films that start with star. <laughs> <laughs> Not the end of our run of sequels, huh? No. Not the end of our run of films set in a desert. <laughs> no. <laughs> For a part. <laughs> Not the end of our run of films where, where people... someone's got a huge ego. <laughs> <laughs> where people have unimaginable powers because of their religious beliefs. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're doing a Tom Cruise film. <laughs> That'll be our uh, second film in a row where somebody climbs a mountain. <laughs> Twitter account, Grant? At Don't Job Shark. <laughs> More like a robot this time? At Don't Job Shark. <laughs> our Facebook? Don't Jump the Shark Film Podcast. <laughs> At least you know how to love. <laughs> <laughs> Teach me about humour. <laughs> um, Green-blooded inhuman. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> calm down, Bones. He's <laughs> just a Balkan cunt. I am. Get the beans off him. <laughs> it's weird that we watched a film containing a Scotsman and it, was, it wasn't was him that got the most drunk. <laughs> or the most racist. <laughs> He did get the most fat, though. At least he got that bit, right? Yeah. Most sausage rolls, Ian. <laughs> uh, you can also email? send us... What? Sorry? Email? Yeah, that's it. You can also send us an email at don'tjumptheshark. At homemail.com. Yeah. That's it. Bye. See you later. <laughs> I know why you want to hate me yeah we do hate you Fred Durst because <laughs> you're fat and it's not because hate is all the world has ever seen lately it's because you're fucking suck <laughs> you suck at music you suck at directing <laughs> what did you, you suck at being a human being <laughs> fucking hate you Fred Durst <laughs> what did you direct? I directed an indie film last year and it's fucking shite what is it? Shite though. <laughs> I like how you're recording this. <laughs> Hear me, Fred. <laughs> I will question you. <laughs> For as long as you continue to spread your evil in the world, I will be there to call you on it. Next time on Don't Jump the Shark Mission Impossible 2. Look at his lovely hair. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be his character. I have long hair. <laughs> I have long hair and can duel on motorbikes with samurai swords. <laughs> Do you think we'll be mentioning a swear word that Ethan Hunt rounds with a lot in this episode? <laughs> Do you think Ethan Hunt's magical powers will be on display in this film? Ability <laughs> to turn invisible. Ability for bullets to bounce off him is definitely on display. That's why he's climbing a mountain, because he's not scared in case he falls, he'll just hover. <laughs> he doesn't need booster bits to do that. He's a green-blooded inhuman. 